Hi everyone, I'm Mike. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to House Calls, a podcast where we take your questions on all things related to homes, design, or anything else about buildings and the places people dwell. Call 1-800-511-6842 to get your questions answered. And remember, the advice might only be worth what you paid for it. All right. Looks like we have a call from Nancy regarding a... Bathroom renovation. Bathroom reno. This should be interesting. These are always interesting. Don't take your bathroom out, whatever you do, listeners. <laughs> hello, hello, Nancy. This is Michael and Jeremy at the House Calls Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for calling. Yeah, absolutely. You called in with a question. I guess you're doing a bathroom remodel. Tell us about it. Okay. We live in a Victorian house and we only have one full bathroom. So it's our upstairs bath and it's very square. The dimensions are nine by 10 feet, three inches wide. Yeah, that's pretty square. And because it's a Victorian house, there are no built-ins. We don't have a linen closet. So you walk in, there's a vinyl tub enclosure, the toilet, all this wide open space and a pedestal (laughs) sink. (laughs) So you have room for improvement. We've got lots of room for improvement. That's great. Yeah. And so I see a lot of potential here. So my questions revolve around how to best manage the space and redo the bathroom with these nice upgrades on a budget. All right. Mm. So <laughs> just a couple <laughs> quick questions before we start digging in deeper. Sure. Do you suspect the bathroom was always a bathroom or do you suspect it was a closet? Why would it matter if this bathroom is in a former closet or not? I'm just curious about the layout and how the flow of the building works before I hear anything about fixtures, things like that. Sure. When you get to the top of the stairs, the bathroom is right there, and then there's a bedroom right next to it. Ah. You make a turn, and you go to the the master bedroom, if you will. Mm -hmm. And off the master bedroom is a small room with a closet. Okay, sounds good. So the bathroom is nice and centrally located at the top of the stairs. So... And it is the only full bath in the house. You know, a very small half bath, which really kind of seems like a quarter bath (laughs) downstairs. (laughs) One of the major things when you're doing a renovation, one of the major things you're stuck with, of course, are the exterior windows, right? They're pretty much where they're going to be unless you move them, Mm -hmm. which is usually a big thing. So most people don't move their windows. Number two, where your plumbing is, mainly the toilet plumbing. Moving that is not very easy. Moving the the tub plumbing, tub and shower plumbing, not very hard. So wherever the toilet is, you're almost fixed in that position. Sure. And, uh, And there's no such thing as impossible. There's only such thing as time and money. Basically, wherever the toilet is, you may have to design around that. And that's not a problem. Okay, good. Yeah, I like that you mentioned that because when you walk into this, square space. You have the vinyl tub enclosure on your left and then a seven inch wall and then the toilet and then that's it, right? Then you have the exterior wall. The best thing to do, honestly, is to work with someone like a bathroom or kitchen designer with your space and take as many photos as you can and take as many measurements as you can and they'll fill in the blanks based on the photos. Okay. So I would definitely work with a kitchen and bathroom designer to 
maximize the space. You got to remember, they do this every day. Mm-hmm. They're going to be very well equipped. Do you have a contractor picked out yet? Well, we interviewed one, and I I got sticker shock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, came highly recommended. Um, I've seen his work. I liked him when he came to the house, but $24,500 labor and materials that does not include tub, toilet, lighting fixture, counter, cabinets, nothing. And I just, my jaw dropped and I'm right now, this brings me to my next question is like, what could I do on my own to keep that down you know, so that we're not paying, you know, $50,000 for a bathroom. I've had a number of, of customers of mine ask if they can do demolition work to save money. And I usually don't have an objection to that as long as the demolition is done to our liking. But not all contractors might necessarily be agreeable to that. Things have to be done carefully. So one way, again, if it's agreeable to your contractor to save money would be if you were to do the demolition. There are a lot of other things about a bathroom remodel that, in my opinion, really do need to be left to a professional, particularly in an old home. Can I ask how much the demo was going to cost? Just the demo? Was it priced out separately? Uh, It wasn't. Okay. So I usually price out my demo separately. And I'll give you a quick tip. I've had clients say, can I do the demo work? I've said, sure. You can do the demo work as long as it's to the level that I need it because Hmm. it is a lot of hard work. It really is. And honestly, with that price, that's not astronomical Hmm. for a 9 by 10 bathroom. It depends on the level of finish you get to. Mm -hmm. Yes, it depends on the amount of tile work. It depends on where the fixtures are coming from. It depends on if your contractor has to then outsource a licensed plumber and a licensed electrician. Right. There are not a ton of ways to save money in a bathroom remodel unless you, A, like Mike suggested, leave the location of your fixtures because then you're not moving mm-hmm. mechanicals. I think the other way, and okay. I, you know, you can get your fixtures from a box store. They're not going to last as long. They're not going to be as well made as something from a supply house. Mm-hmm. They're going to install probably easier. But if it's if you have any problems, most of the fixtures from a box store are not serviceable. You can go that route. You can spend less money on fixtures, but there's certainly a drawback to that. One of the reasons bathrooms are so expensive, bathrooms and kitchens, is because you can't have a team of eight people in there just banging it out every day. It is a small space, and it's very finicky, and kitchens and bathrooms are where we spend basically 80 to 90% of the time in a home. So we all expect them to be to a certain level, and any good contractor is going to price accordingly so he can get you a good product. Let me ask you one last question, mm-hmm. Nancy. In your mind, what were you guesstimating this would cost you? 18000 Okay. I was thinking maybe twenty because I want heated floors. So at $18,000, you are looking at 200 a square foot. It's not unreasonable. That's about a fair price. But for bathrooms, that price creeps up. So new build, just regular new build homes today are running on average 250 to 300 a square foot. And that's building new. That's not moving backwards to move forward. So 200 a square foot, that brings you to 18,000. It's probably low. Yeah, the contractor is probably more realistic in his pricing. I see. So then 
The next question, supply house. Would I be able to source tile and fixtures and what have you, or do I need him to go to the supply house? How does that work? The more you could source, the better you're going to be. Just be ready for a lot of headaches. That's all. So then um, how much do I need to budget for if he's just charging me for labor and certain materials, but not the fixtures? So do you imagine doing any of the work yourself? Not much. I know, right? Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, it's going <laughs> to be really difficult to skim the budget, really. If I had to answer your question, I feel like in the least roundabout <laughs> way, <laughs> I would say if you want to try to save money, do the demolition on your own. Buy your fixtures from a box store rather than a supply house. Or Amazon, which is always a good supply. And lastly, try to eliminate tile work. Are we the bearer of bad news? Well, kind of. Uh, so what would be the bottom line then? I mean... Um, it just, it all depends on what you pick out. So I think what you really need to do maybe to kind of tighten up the budget would be to go and, and actually start to pick out these things. Start to source the material. Yeah, so go to a showroom, okay. pick something out, and actually put a hard number on it. And then see how much you can chisel right. out of the contractor's budget and keep it mostly to labor, and that way you, you're working towards the finishes. Well, thank you for this reality check. And thank you for your call. I appreciate all your time and your expertise. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Good luck with the project. Okay, thank you. Jeremy, that's a smart woman right there. You could hear her flipping through her notes. I agree. She's going to be all right. Yeah, I think so. I mean... And she's going to have an empty bank account. (laughs) It's going to be great, like the rest of us. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not. You know what my wife calls me? Uh, Do I want to know? She refers to me as the dream shatterer. I'll get home from a work meeting, maybe an evening work meeting. Nice. And she'll say, how did it go? And I'll say something like, you know, they wanted a, a full custom kitchen with all brand new commercial appliances for $14,000. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to, you know, give somebody a reality check. And she says, you're the dream shatterer. Jeremy, you shatter all of my dreams. <laughs> Stop it. You do? The only reason I would disagree about the fixtures in the supply houses is because, in my opinion— and I might sound completely ignorant, and I hope we get a bunch of callers from from build, your ignorance from the build trade on this. But from my experience, a lot of the stuff today, it's hard to distinguish the difference between because I think a lot of even the name brand companies are outsourcing to China. I don't have a problem distinguishing, Michael. Okay, elaborate. I think the fixtures that we get or that we have gotten from a box store yeah. usually have a lot more plastic parts to them oh, versus, versus right. brass. Yeah. Brass being heavier. They're both plated. Yeah. And so I think that's tough for maybe somebody that's not in the building trade or maybe for the end user, they see the finish. Right. But if you don't pick it up and hold it in your hand that's and you right. don't know what it's made out of, you don't know if it's plastic or brass. See, I would agree with that. And I would say, yes, we should have things in brass, except on average, especially in America, a bathroom doesn't last 20 years. It's being remodeled in 20 years. I agree with that. So all that quality product you put into those fixtures are gone in 20 years, and the plastic will hold up at least 15, which is a reminder that you have to remodel within the next five years. So here's the other thing that I don't like. By and large, most of the fixtures from the box stores are not serviceable. So let's say you have an issue with a valve cartridge in something that comes from a supply house. Right. You can physically take the fixture apart. Right. And have just the valve cartridge warranty. Sure. It was like the cars back in the day. But guess what? 
They're made so well today with such precision that by the time it goes bad, you just go get another $100 faucet, right? Mm, I think it depends who the end user is. That's a whole other thing. It's true. And also, I would agree with you in one fact that, especially with these TV shows, etc., and people becoming more knowledgeable, we have YouTube and so on now, and we have House Calls Podcasts, thank God. But I think a lot of people are starting to think a little long-term, especially with how expensive things are getting, that if they were going to spend a little bit more money to make it last longer, they just might do that. So I agree with you as well. Yes. It's just a it's just a choice. It really for many people it just comes down to dollars. It's it's just unfortunately oh, so I know. <laughs> expensive to build today. I know. And labor is one of the most expensive parts. If you've got a question for Jeremy and Mike, give us a call at 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. We'll be right back. Monique, this is Jeremy and Mike calling from the House Calls podcast. Hello, Jeremy and Mike. How are you? Hey, Monique. How's it going? I'm going well, thanks. Great. So, uh, Monique, I'm going to just quickly fill the listeners in, okay? Full disclosure here. We're going to tell the world, full disclosure, that I know Monique personally. Oh, cool. And she is a dear friend of ours. Nice. When I say friend of ours, I don't mean my wife and I. I mean, she's a friend of the podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, Monique. Real quick, where are you calling Where are you calling from? Rochester, New York. Nice. Rochester. And uh, tell us a little bit about your house call question. So I have a house that has like a cathedral ceiling on And recently, uh, we had some kind of crazy weather, and I started to see some dark water spots kind of going horizontally across that ceiling. Yep. And I, yeah, I thought it was kind of odd. And I, you know, I thought first, why is it going horizontally? And, you know, what really was going on? It was in three different distinct spots. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, what was happening? Why was it causing it that way? And where was the water coming from? Uh, just because of the way, it, you know, I was expecting more of a circle when it's like a, some sort of a leak of some kind. Right. Uh, so that was initially my my question. So we spoke several days ago, and we started to talk about ice dams. We started to talk about roof leaking. We started to talk about why is that water stain on her ceiling in a line versus a circle. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And several things have happened since I spoke with Monique. Yeah. Two roofers have been to the house. Okay. Okay. What have so, they said? I don't know yet, and that's oh. why we have Monique on the line. All right. So let's start with... The roofing aspect of this problem. Can you can you fill us in, Monique, on what the two different roofers told you? Yeah. So, and they weren't really that far off. The second guy was a little bit more thinking it wasn't as simple as the first guy. So the first guy kind of said he felt it was a vent issue, meaning like the water came in through the top because of the winds. We had like crazy winds that were very, very strong. That's what I'm thinking. Um, and felt like it felt like it could have potentially have just come in just on a weird day and it settled in. Um, and then on top of that, we had a lot of snow, like snow had dumped in prior to that. We had like two feet that fell and then we had really extreme warm weather. So everything melted. So it was like crazy, perfect storm, if you will, of kind of all this stuff going on, plus the winds. 
So he felt like, hey, it's probably just, you know, a one-time situation with the winds, the water, all that kind of coming in. And that was about a week ago. The stains on the ceiling have continued to move across the the way. So now they're a lot longer and they're in a couple of more spots. Sure. Um, So the first roofer didn't get to see that. He did say if it continued to get bigger to call him back and he would come back and and take a look. So that's kind of what roofer number one said. Um, We've not called him back because we knew roofer number two was coming today to take a look. Now, Today, in addition to that, we've had like crazy winds, so it wasn't safe for him to go up on the roof. Right. But he did say that, you know, the fact that it was growing along the way, he's now thinking it's less likely to be a vent thing and more something to do with the roof. Just a few questions real quick. How long have you had this room? How long has the vaulted ceiling been there? Since we've owned the house. Which is how long? We're going on three and a half, four years now. Has the roof ever been redone? Not while we were living in it, but it was done six years prior to when we bought the house. Okay, that, probably about nine and a half years old. That's okay. And this has only happened once so far? Correct. First time we've seen it. Okay. All right. JK? Mm-hmm. What's your diagnosis? I think it could be several things, and I think it could be a combination of several things. Have you had any work done on this ceiling at all since you lived there? No. Okay. No. Go ahead. Okay. You know you're going to have to repair this ceiling Um, in some fashion, whether you paint it because it's water stained. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to at least paint it. Okay. My suggestion would be if you know that you have to paint it and it's sheetrock, is that correct? Or drywall? Yeah, drywall. Which is essentially infinitely repairable. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not from the living space side of things? Take it down. Take par- just a little bit of it down, like a two-by-two two square, yeah. and look up in there and see how it's insulated and see how it's vented. Yeah. Then you'll know. Because a roofer is only going to tell you superficial things about the roof. Yeah, the roofer can only look at it from the outside. So here's my diagnosis. Are you ready? I am. <laughs> This is what I'm thinking. You had the perfect wind that is driving that rain up under the ridge vent, and then that water is finding its way to the baffle somehow. It's dripping out of the baffle somewhere along the roof line. Now, where are these stains? Are they up near the peak of the cathedral, or are they like halfway down the the ceiling? They're all throughout, so there's like four different spots. Got it. So this is what I'm imagining is happening. You have some wind-driven rain up under your ridge cap. It's finding its way to the baffles, and it's working its way down the baffles. This water is probably sneaking its way down through the baffles, dripping out, and that's why you're getting horizontal lines is because the sheetrock is attached to horizontal furring strips. So if this is the first time it's happened, you are probably going to have to address your ridge vent. This is probably an easy fix from the inside. I disagree with Jeremy. I don't necessarily think you have to open the sheetrock because you've been there four or five years and it's the only time it's ever happened. However. But I do think you need to get a roofer to take off that ridge cap and make sure that that's protected. But anyway, I don't think this is a long-term problem. I think it's probably an easy fix, but you're going to have to wait for some warm weather for that to happen. And then the worst part is going to be removing those water stains, which are a real pain. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Another thought. We know that there's water in that rafter section, okay? Yeah. And we know, presumably— That the insulation's wet. Yes. And that— and now the insulation value yeah. is being um, diminished Diminished by because it's wet. If the insulation's wet, it's probably only wet in certain spots, and it's not like it was a broken pipe or something. It's just a little wind-driven rain under the ridge vent. But I would not do that sheetrock repair until later in the summer, even at the end of the summer. You should allow that roof to breathe for a while, but that ridge cap should be addressed right away. As soon as you can get on the roof safely, and as soon as the temperature is warm enough that whoever the roofer is can deal with that asphalt in a proper way, that it can flex in a proper way, they should get up there and start addressing that. Does the home have a view? Is it up on a hill? Does it have wind exposure? It's not up on a hill, um, but for whatever reason, I feel like in our backyard, there's a wind tunnel that just comes all the way through. We get kind of, we get <laughs> sure. crazy gusts of wind. I don't, it just is crazy. We're going to see more of that with global climate change. And we need to, as builders, we need to start preparing for it. As homeowners, we need to make sure we, um, quote unquote, batten down the hatches. Yeah, get that ridge vent looked at right away because this isn't the only time it's going to happen. We're going to get more windy, rainy, gusty winters. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being a part of the House Calls podcast, Monique. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't miss it. Perfect. Hey, thanks for calling in. And and more importantly, thanks for listening. Help us spread the word. And uh, well, well, you have any other questions, always call in. Thanks so much. You guys are great. Have a good one. Thanks, Monique. JK, you probably hate me right now. (laughs) You are the typical builder. It's a huge problem. We got to take off all the sheetrock. The roofer wants to take the whole roof off. No, 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 no. She's got to repair it anyway. No, she has to repaint it, but it has to dry first. And that's going to take a while. That is going to take a while. And you know what's going to help it dry? Put a hole in the ceiling. You know what else will help it dry? Just hang out for those hot summer days. It's not a big issue. Homes experience, there's condensation no matter what. You have to remember, it's not a big issue for you, and it's not a big issue for me, because we know that we can fix these things. I think it's scary for homeowners, really. It's, it's got to be, but if we are the bearer of bad news, if we are the dream crushers, Which this, we is, are. this is the one time that I'd like to say, it's not as big of an issue as you think. Just you just got to address what's causing it. And I'm, being that she's lived there that long, I mean, this isn't the first time we've had wacky weather. So, I just love that you agreed with me when I said that drywall is infinitely repairable. You sounded very sophisticated there. Yeah, you agreed with me. That's that doesn't happen very much. Anyway, that wraps up another show here on the House Calls podcast. We love taking your calls. We love answering these questions. We love crushing your dreams. So check us out. <laughs> www.housecallspodcast.com. Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, now Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're pretty much everywhere. Anchor, of course, that's who hosts us and puts it all out there to the world. So uh, we really appreciate your calls. If you want to be a sponsor of the show, give us a ring. 1-800-511-6842. We will take your call. So give us a ring and uh, we'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the House Calls podcast, recorded at Silver Hollow Audio, with your hosts, Mike Wentland and Jeremy Castle. This episode was produced by Brett Barry, edited by Maxine Gross. Intermission music, Loopster, by Kevin McLeod, distributed by Anchor. Be sure to click that subscribe button and call us so we can feature your home question on the show. 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.